It's time for our scripture reading this morning. It's going to be in Acts chapter 13. And before I read it, I will say, you might have put two and two together. I'm not preaching today. Uh, I don't have a little ear thing. Uh, but my good friend, Jay Will Wilson, is preaching. Jay Will is uh, planting a church uh, down in Columbia. And we've been uh, supporting him. And he's been a good encouragement to me um, in a neighborhood that's very similar to our neighborhood. And so we, we get to swap stories and swap you know, wins and also get to go, what, is, what are we doing with our life? You know? <laughs> so so um, I'm excited for him to be here. I'm excited for him to preach God's word to you. Now I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to start something a little different when I read the word. Now, to, when, I, when I finish the scripture, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. And y'all going to say what? Thanks be to God. You knew. Let's try it. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, one more time. This is the word of the Lord. Y'all, it's the scriptures, man. It's God's word to us. Let's get pumped about that thing, man. Come on now. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> Hear the word of the Lord from Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after they fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. How y'all doing, family? All right, now, I'm going to talk to y'all like y'all family, for real. I've been up here a couple times. I tell them I'm like y'all cousin from down the street. You know, that one cousin that come in, take his shoes off, he go in your refrigerator, he walk around, say, call your mama, mama, and all that. That's how I'm going to talk to you. I'm so excited to be with you and to be up here uh, sharing the world from my dear friend, Will Broaddus. Y'all, I love this brother, seriously. We have known each other for four years now. Yeah, man, and it seems like our stories keep getting crazier, but they seem so similar over and over. A few months, uh, two months ago, we went to Philadelphia together uh, and went to probably one of the poorest areas we've ever seen in our life. I'm, and I, we've seen some areas in our life, but this was one of those times where it's like, hey, man, you feel safe? I don't know. <laughs> but it was such a beautiful reminder that the reason we do this it's not for our names to be great or not for our names to be put on display, but because we have a wonderful, glorious king that says there's no area of this world that's not mine. Amen. There is no place in this world that my name will not be declared as king. That is what he has sent us to do, and he sends no-name people like me and y'all pastor to do this. And he does it in little churches like ours that are often overlooked, overseen, but yet God smiles on it because it's a beautiful work taking place right here in Welcome, and there's a beautiful work taking place in Eau Claire of Columbia. Uh, I'm going to do something a little different since we're changing up stuff. Uh, I'm going to give you this, this scenario. So since I'm, church, I'm planting a church in Columbia, a lot of times we do market research or we look at other churches to see what's the norm out there. 
What, what does a normal church look like? So we go and look at websites, and you see these beautiful pictures, and everything, everybody's smiling, and it's like the most wonderful thing. And I was like, I don't think my neighborhood ever gonna look like that. <laughs> Just don't think that's gonna happen, y'all. That, that ain't normal for Eau Claire. Like, I might get some people that got some teeth missing, you might get cussed out one day, but that's family. I'm like, that, I don't think my church ever is going to look like, quote unquote, the pretty pictures, but I'm so overwhelmingly thankful that that's not what the church was meant to look like in the first place. The church ain't called to be a safe place. I mean, it's called to be a safe place for us to come to, but it ain't called to be interacting just with safe people. It's called to interact with the most unlikely of people. Because God is building a, 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 a home base in an area. He is building an embassy for himself. Well, he's like, these ain't normal people. Let me tell you something. Y'all ain't normal. Y'all church ain't normal. And I don't mean that as an insult. That's a beautiful thing. Because a holy, the Holy Spirit dwells with unnormal people in unnormal places. And y'all ain't normal. The Spirit dwells here. And that's why today we're starting off in a church that ain't normal in our text, a church in a place called Antioch. We're going to call it First Baptist Antioch or something, all right? This is a, not a normal church, and even the conception of this church is not a normal conception. And before we dive into chapter 11, let's look at chapter, uh, uh, chapter 13. Let's look at chapter 11 where Antioch started. Chapter 11, verses 19 through 30, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to give you an overview of what's taking place. Persecution has hit the church because a man named Stephen back in chapter 7 preached the gospel. People got upset that he was preaching the gospel, saying that Jesus is king. So persecution has hit the church, and the church has scattered everywhere. Now, there were some people that only talked to the people they were comfortable talking to. But then in chapter 11, we see these no-name brothers. In verse, in verse uh, 20, it says, but there was some of them men from Cyprus and Cyrene who came to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks, also proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. In this one passage, we're introduced to people we'll never know. We'll never know their name. We'll never know their backstory. We'll never know why they came to Antioch. All we knew is that they went to this place and started talking about Jesus. And the most we can know about them is they were from modern-day Libya and another part of Africa. So this, these were some chocolate brothers that showed up to a Greek town and started preaching the gospel. And in this Greek town, these chocolate brothers came and brought uh, the message of Jesus in this place. And it was so overwhelming because Antioch was a divided town. That city literally had a wall in the middle of it where Greeks lived on one side, Jews lived on another side, and here's some chocolate brothers showing up and talking about reconciliation that bring the whole city together. And the Lord's hands were with them. And a large number believed and turned to the Lord. And what they were doing was so radical, how they were breaking down the walls in a divided city to bring all together, the news literally got back to Jerusalem. That's almost 200 miles away on foot. That's how big the testimony of what they were doing had traveled. 
So the church of Jerusalem sent Barnabas, which is a man named Encur uh, Brother of Encouragement. We find him in chapter, uh, Acts chapter 4. That's the first time we're introduced to him. He sent to this town to check it out, and he said, I see something happening. This ain't normal. This ain't a normal thing taking place. And then what he does in his excitement is he goes and finds his brother, Saul, who we will find out is later named Paul, who was also once divided from the church, away from the disciples, and he says, I want you to come and see the work that the Lord is doing here in this city. It ain't normal. And Saul, a man who knew what it meant to be divided from the kingdom of God because he was divided from the people of God because he persecuted the people of God, came to this church, First Baptist Antioch, and that's where he found home. And this is the start of an unnormal church that because of this faithful witness of these two no-name people, churches like Reconciled Community Church or churches like mine exist to this very day because the gospel was sent out from there that went to the ends of the earth. And that's where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 13 today, just to give some backstory. And we look at this church because we see the innormality of this church and we're reminded we're not supposed to be a normal people. We're not supposed to be a safe, clean-cut-looking people. Our stories will never be clean-cut, but that's the kind of people God uses. And that's what he's using right here in this church, and this is what he's using in your life, and this is what he's using in Eau Claire. So as we look to this unnormal church, this spirit-filled church, before we turn to him, can we pray that the Lord would illuminate how unnormal our stories is, but how beautiful God still uses it for his glory. Will you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful that you use the most strange and unique people for your glory because you said you are building a peculiar people that you will use to put on display. I pray right now for all of us here as we are diving into your word that you will reveal yourself to us, that your spirit will move in this place freely, that we will see how we are being knit together to display your kingdom. Right here, how reconciled is being knit together to display your kingdom right here in Greenville. How City of Refuge is being knit together right there in Columbia and the Eau Claire area to display your kingdom and that you will reveal yourself through your word to us today. Because this is not a work that we do in our own strength. This is only a work that's done through your spirit. So fill us with your spirit today. Fill me with your spirit today and show yourself beautiful. Give us power to be your people, not just gathered, but your people scattered. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we need you desperately. We lift all these things up to you. In your son Jesus' name, amen. All right, right, right here in chapter 13 of Acts, like I said, we've got a, quite, a quick backstory on the church of Antioch, but look this list of names that we so quickly can run past. It says, now in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. We find Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, Mananan, a, a close friend of Herod the Tetrite, and Saul. 
And this list of names, we can already see a very uncommon people that's being knit together. The first person we see is Barnabas. Now, this is the brother of encouragement, the son of encouragement, what they called him in Acts chapter 4, verse 36. He was a man of great wealth. He literally sold a portion of his properties to make sure that the church was taken care of. This is the brother you was like, yes, that's who I want in the church. He's a good guy. He's a faithful brother. He's a wonderful brother. He's a very encouraging brother, kind of like a golden retriever. He just run up to you and be like, hey, how are you doing? You're doing wonderful. I feel happy that you're here today. That's what Barnabas is. Then we find a Simeon who was called Niger. The word Niger literally means this brother was black. That's what the word Niger means. He was black, black, y'all. If your name black, he just call you black. He, we know that's Simon. That's the black Simon. Simeon. That ain't the other Simeon. That's the black Simeon over there. Now, we don't know much of his story, but many theologians think this is possibly Simeon of Siren who helped Jesus carry his cross in Luke chapter 23, verse 26. Again, Another brother, yes, I want him in my church. The one who saw our Lord and actually helped our Lord, jumped in there to help our Lord, yes, I want him in our church. And we got Lucius of Cyrene. Don't know much about him. He might have been one of the African brothers that showed up to Antioch to first plant the church, but we didn't get much detail on him. But then we find this, another, this next name. We get a little bit of backstory on him. This is Mananin a close friend of Herod the Turchite. Now you might be like, so, so his friend, he's friends with a dude named Herod. But see, if you understand the backstory of Herod, Herod was in Matthew chapter 14. This is the Herod the Turchite who had John the Baptist beheaded. Literally, Jesus' cousins beheaded. And this was his best friend. This was the dude that grew up with him. The, very, the way it says in the Greek, a close friend, is literally like my adopted brother. This is the man that got a backstory and a family history that's like, why is he in this church? They were really close, as it says, close friend of Herod. It means they were like brothers. They were like families. He might have been at the party where John actually got his head, got his head got beheaded. Yet this man is in the list of prophets and teachers in the church. And then it ends off in, oh, and then there's Saul. If you don't know the story of Saul, go back to Acts chapter 8. Saul was the man, that very, that, the, the very man who persecuted the church, who drug people from the church out, had them killed because they were declaring the name of Jesus, and now he's in the leadership team. He's in the church. This is not signs of a safe and normal church. This ain't people that got a safe backstory. This is an abnormal thing taking place. But the only way something like this would take place is if the Holy Spirit has his hands in it. See, this isn't something because we just find the most talented, we find the most gifted. Hey, you come here. No, no. The Holy Spirit intricately had to put this together uniting this church together, bringing peace to people who had unpeaceful stories and broken stories. That's why Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 through 6, he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all 
And in all, Paul was writing to the church of Ephesus saying, hey, the Spirit is the one that brings us together. This is why we fight to hold on to the Spirit together, even when we are uncomfortable around each other, even when we don't like being around each other, even when issues arise. Remember the Spirit that binds you together. Because you are people who've been reconciled. You are uncommon people. You are people that's being drawn closer and closer. And remember why they were all together. In verse 2, it says they were together worshiping. See, this is, again, why signs that only this can happen if the Spirit is uniting a church together. This is not something we can do just because we're like, oh, we're just doing our normal practices. We're just going to show up and hopefully everything works out. No, this is only something that happens when the Spirit is very present. This is the only way people so unlikely to be together would be together. This is the only way rich and poor would be together. Politicians and ex-gangsters would be together. Ex-dope boys and cops would be together. This is the only way that works. The Spirit has to do that. That's something we can do. That's something our hands can make happen. This ain't something that's normal to our world. Y'all don't belong together. Y'all don't fit in. Yet a church filled with the Spirit is exactly what that looks like. Most unlikely of people all together. But he doesn't just bring us together for the sake of bringing us together, but he brings us together for the sake of worshiping him together. Let's look at the first part of verse 2. It says, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. See, he had an assignment for this church in Antioch, this very unique place that was pre pa pastored and planted by a no-name guys. They, he brought them together so they would worship him in spirit and truth, and he could build them together, and he could draw unlikely people together so that their hearts would be unified to worship him together. This is why we come to church. This is why we exist together. See, this worship of the Lord isn't a, just an individualistic thing that I do in my free time and you do in your free time, but this is something we come together, and as we come together in this one mind and one heart, it does something in us as we're worshiping the Lord and fasting. The author of Hebrews says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clear from an evil conscience in our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. The author of Hebrews is trying to point to the reality of what's happening at the church of Antioch. He said, when y'all come together, it's because y'all hearts are being sprinkled and cleansed through the preaching of the word, through the power of the spirit. You are being bound together and we're holding on to this hope together that we have a promise. That Christ will happily fulfill and make us a new unified people. We hold on to this together, unwavering. And the only way we can unwaver in this, whole, uh, this promise is let us be together. Provoking love and good works. 
That provoking love is almost like, I'm going to boast you on. I'm going to push you on. I'm going to help you out. I see you struggling. Let me help you pick that up. I see you wrestling with this truth. Let me walk beside you as you're doing this. I'm going to help you build up your faith, encouraging you in the truth of who our king is. As we worship together, as we fast together, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to fast for you. I'm going to worship with you because our king continues to give us a promise, and this is why we need to be together. That's why Reconcile is a beautiful name for this area because y'all were once a people who were not together. There might be many in here that says, I probably, in my right mind, would not thought of being around the people I'm around right now, but this is what the Spirit does. It, it renews our mind. It gives us a new thought process. It says, no, no, no. I want you to be around who I want you to be around because y'all are becoming more and more like mine. Looking more and more like my son. Isn't it interesting that he used unlikely people to edify us, but sometimes that edification also means that they bother us? Oh, that's just me. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I got people in my life, when they say things, I'm like, oh, here they come. Here they come. But then the Lord uses them to build something in me, and I'm like, man, I saw Christ more today. I saw Jesus more today. I have this one brother um, we got in a dispute a few years back. Uh, it was a Facebook dispute. Hey, y'all, get off Facebook. Stop talking to each other on Facebook. Go have coffee or something. Don't talk to each other on Facebook. But this brother um, had some harsh words to say about me on Facebook. And I'm like, dude, you got my phone number. We could see each other. And I, I had to pray about that. I was like, Lord, I don't, I don't, I don't I'm starting to not like this person. And I'm starting to hate to see them come around. But as I prayed, and, and I continue to remember how I've been reconciled and brought back in, how I need to push into those hard conversations. So I called him and said, hey man, I want to let you know. What you said to me on Facebook, if I didn't know you in real life, I would call you a troll. Y'all know what a troll is, right? I want to make sure y'all use the same language as I use. But I would say, if I didn't know you, I wouldn't want nothing to do with you. But because I was praying to the Lord, because I was fasting, it was like, God, I need you to deal with me before I go talk to him. Because if, I don't, if you don't deal with me, I'm going to deal with him. And I don't know if you want me to deal with him the way I want to deal with him. But the Lord opened the door where that brother said, you know, I needed to hear that. I needed somebody to challenge me and call me out. I, I needed somebody to speak these words to me, and went as far as saying, you know what, the Lord has been dealing with me. I needed to delete my Facebook app and deleted Facebook. That was a few years ago. I saw him a couple months ago, and I saw him, and I was like, oh, here we go, another argument. But he said, nah, I just wanted to tell you um, thank you. Thank you for calling me out. Thank you for rebuking me. Thank you for loving me when I was unlovable because the Lord did a work in my heart. And here I am, like, I wanted to avoid him at all costs, but now the Lord's convicted me. It's like, oh, this is why we got to be together. 
so that he can, brothers like him can chip away at me and bother me, but it makes me look more and more like his son so I can grow in patience and I can grow in love and I can push into those harder conversations and look more and more like my king. This is what worshiping together looks like. Being around uncomfortable people, people you wouldn't normally be around. This is why the Lord puts us together, so we will worship him together, and through our worship of him together, and through our fellowship together, and our fasting together, that he would edify us together, mold us together, push us together to make us more like his people together. And this is why we can't neglect this this is why we can't do as the author of Hebrews said, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. See, there is a day coming. There is a day of judgment that is coming to sinners of this world. And the author is trying to have them understand that day is coming and y'all need to help each other see that day and grow towards that day so that y'all can worship on that day. But that's why you are together worshiping. This is what we're doing. Encourage each other. Look to that day when Jesus will return. Look to that magnificent, wonderful day. But for those who are not and I'm not just talking about non-church goers, but for those who are not in the kingdom of God, who have not professed that Jesus is the king, that day is a horrific day. But the way we make our faith assured, besides our testimony, uh, the, the testimony of our faith, besides the communion and the baptism, but it's the continuing gathering of the saints together and encouraging each other together, worshiping together. But their worship of together was not for them just to stay together. But look at the second part of verse 2, going into verse 3. It says, The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after they again fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. See, we don't come together just to be in our holy huddle together, but we come together because the Lord is calling us to be raised up and built out, to be sent out from each other to bring more into the fold. Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul, were being set apart again by the Holy Spirit. This is not a work of just the church deciding to do stuff. The normal church is the church that's like, we can... Y- y- the churches a lot of times that's marketing and, and we can see the beautiful pictures of are churches that could do those things in their own strength. The church where unlikely people, uncommon people, strange people come together is only a church that the Holy Spirit can do in his power and in his strength. And this is why we come together because the Holy Spirit is also calling strange and unlikely people to be set apart for his glory. That's what was happening in Antioch. They were being put aside, hands put on them, being commissioned to live on mission. And this is what's happening when you come to reconcile. Not just to be gathered, not just to sing pretty songs, not just to make confessions and then walk away feeling better about yourself, but you are being built up, equipped in here for the work of ministry out there. All throughout Welcome, all throughout Greenville. You're being made a new people a people to be put on display. 
which is why you can't come here just willing to be comfortable. You have to be come here willing to say, Lord, I'm going to come and pray that you are building me up through your people, however that looks, however that works. I know in my church, we have a, 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 a me and Will always joke, church planting is a strange thing because we never can choose the people we're going to get. Praise God, we can't choose the people we're going to get because the people we get are wonderful and lovely and magnificent in God's eyes, but sometimes it's hard for us to see it on the first glance. Oh, y'all didn't catch that. Okay, good. <laughs> My church, I have a, what I call hood urban nerds. So for some strange reason, I attract a lot of people that like anime, but also have like very sketchy backgrounds. Um, but they love to come together. And it's awkward sitting around them because you don't know if they're making sense in some of the conversations they have. If you've never sat around a person that you don't know if they're making sense while they're talking, just keep coming. <laughs> just keep coming to reconcile and keep coming to my church. If you get, get to Columbia, trust me, you'd be like, what are they talking about? What are they saying? But as I come to my church and I look at my strange and unique people, I tell them, y'all are peculiar. That's what the Bible says. I'll just call you weird. Um, I look at them, I say, oh, but these are the people that Lord, the Lord is raising up to commission out. This is the husband who has a broken household right now. This is who the Lord is raising up to be the next missionary that might plant our next church. This, this is the guy who has some mental illness issues. This is the guy that the Lord might be raising up to be our next deacon in the church. Here's the homeless guy that he barely makes enough just to eat. This might be the guy that the Lord is raising up to serve our church in the future. These are the people that the Lord is using. Praise God. Praise God, because I can't raise them up in my strength. But the Spirit of God can. And Will can't raise up people in this church in his strength. But praise God, the Spirit of God can. The Spirit of God is the only one who can call you these words, what 1 Peter says. A chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for his possession. He calls you these words, chosen, royal, holy, his people. And he calls you these words for this reason, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. This is what the church of Antioch was experiencing. I'm praying this is what the church of Reconcile Community City of Reconcile. I'm about to put our churches together. Love, sorry. Reconcile Community Churches experience of, of people being chosen in this area, being built up as a royal priesthood, a holy niche, a nation of people for his possessions, so that y'all may proclaim his excellences. Y'all may praise him here but also that you may call some out of darkness into marvelous light. This is why we exist. That's why I love the church of Antioch, because I'm like, they didn't have no celebrity pastors. They didn't have no superstars. They just had some brothers that was trying to be faithful. But because of them trying to be faithful and the hand of the Lord being with them and him growing these unique and weird people, we have the churches that we have today. 
See, what's taking place right now is the greatest missionaries will be sent out from this small, local, obscure church in Antioch, and they will spread the gospels to the ends of the earth in their day. And that gospel has continued to spread today because of their faithfulness. And I think about our future and says, I wonder how the gospel will be spread because of our faithfulness. That he used strange people like me. Strange people like your pastor. Strange people like you for his glory. But the only way we can be used like this is the Holy Spirit fills us. And the only way we can be filled by the Holy Spirit is we accept the one who came to make it this way. See, these people weren't just gathering for the sake of gathering. They were gathering around the name of one who died for their sins. See, sins have separated me and you from a holy God, and we are unable to fix that. But there is one who came to make all those things right. If you don't know what sin is, sin is literally we mess up. We screw it up everywhere we go. But we have one who never messed up, who had a plan from the very beginning who literally was sitting in glory in the fashion of perfection. He was sitting perfection, stepped down from perfection, took off perfection to put on flesh bags to look like you and me, to live like you and me, to experience what you and I can experience. And his grace was so, significant, so, so sufficient that he was able to go to the darkest of darkest places and call out people to his glorious light. He was able to live the perfect life, that you, perfect life that you and I cannot live. He died the unrighteous death, but he died the death that you and I deserved, taken on the judgment of a just God that you and I deserve on himself. All of our sins, all those who profess, was nailed to the cross. Our sins died when he took his final breath, and then our sins stayed deaf and dead, and they went in the grave while he was dead, but then he came back alive and our sins stayed there. Our sins stayed dead. And for all who accept this, you are now being built up into this holy royal people, this chosen priesthood, this holy nation, the people for his possession, for his glory, because now you will one day be glorified with him. He didn't just get out of the grave. He stayed around for a few more days to make sure his disciples knew, this is me. Then he went to go take a seat at the right hand of the Father. At the right hand of the Father, now he declares all things under his rule for his glory. And he calls out to his people through his word, through his preachers, for his glory. To call more under and, and build us up under the preaching of his word. So that one day as we leave this place scattered to call people to repentance they will also be glorified with him. This is why we do this. This is why we show up on Sunday. Not just to strike something off the box, but this is why we show up, so that we can worship this king. We can pray to this king. We can encourage each other, and the preached word can encourage the saints and build them up for the work of ministry. And when we leave this place, we are so full of gratitude, we must tell everybody, like the people in Antioch did when they commissioned them. If you didn't know this, when you leave these doors, you are now commissioned. You are now sent for this very same mission that Paul and Barnabas were sent for, to make his name known everywhere you go.
Maybe you didn't know that today. Maybe you didn't know that's why we do this. Well, today is the day that you can make that right and you can come and worship at the feet of that king who did all those things for you. But if you didn't know that, and you say you are his, but then you've also been given marching orders to go forth and do the same. Will this peculiar church pray with a peculiar person like me as we leave to declare this magnificent, wonderful God that saved peculiar people like us? Will you pray with me? Father, we are constantly reminded that nothing we do outside of your spirit will stand. But whatever your hands are on, whatever you are with, you will continue to spread your name through no-name people like us for your glory and your glory alone. We are being built up as a royal priesthood for your sake. Use us as your holy possession for your glory in this earth. Father, I pray today that your word was preached clearly, that we will look at your word and draw near today to your son and become more and more like your son. And as we prepare our hearts to commune with the one who died for our sakes, that you would be continuously present with us as we worship you and we declare your name throughout the rest of this week. We lift all these things up to you in your son Jesus' name. Amen.